Right, good morning. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. The title of my message this morning is Righteousness. And in this portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 10, um, verses 6 and 7, there was um, some comments that are made there that I wasn't quite sure what they meant. And so I'm going to try, through studying and all that, try to explain um, what I feel the that God is telling us in that. Won't be able to exhaust the subject this morning, but hopefully um, touch a little bit on the word righteous, righteous or righteousness. The word righteousness has a simple meaning. It's the quality of being morally right or justifiable. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through 18 in Romans 10. Starting in verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what, what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess that with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich upon all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say... Have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. There was a man who was driving down the road and he got on his phone and called the sheriff's office and he said, Sir, I just saw somebody driving 90 miles an hour. I want you to give him a ticket. The person said, We don't give tickets over the phone. I can't do that. But he's driving really fast. Person said, well, sir, we, we do have officers on pretty much every major road, and I'm sure they'll, they'll probably catch him. So, well, I just caught up to him, and, and he's doing 102. Dispatch said, well, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't just write him a ticket. His license plate is such and such and such. Okay. Is, is it stolen? And finally, the person on the other end of the line said, now you know it is illegal to drive to speed. Click. 
The point is, is this man saw somebody breaking the law and he himself broke the law to try to get him into trouble. But that was justifiable, or was it? He thought he was righteous in trying to do his job in, in life. And that's how it is sometimes in our life, is we point out other people's faults and we ourselves think that we're righteous in that. So in Romans chapter 10, um, Paul is saying, the first part of the chapter, he says that the children of Israel, they have a zeal for God, they have a passion for God, and he's recognizing that. That is not the problem, but he said they are ignorant of God's righteousness, and they go about establishing their own righteousness. And I believe it's not only with the Jews or the nation of Israel. It's a problem that I have, and I be, believe it's a problem that we as humans have is establishing our own righteousness. Jumping down into verse 6, he says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, and this is Paul. And he says, says Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ from the dead. And I believe that Paul was referring to an Old Testament scripture. And if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, he takes the, what is written in Romans 10 is almost verbatim what is written in Deuteronomy. Almost word for word. So we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy 30 and see what that says. But in Deuteronomy 30 um, is also a call for the nation of Israel to repent and turn back to God and be restored. The first part of the chapter to kind of, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be reading verses 12 and 14, or 12 through 14 in Deuteronomy chapter 30. But before then, um, Moses says here, he says, Shalt thou return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. And then, um, then he says in later in verse 4 that if any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost, outmost post of the parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And then um, in verse 7, he will put all the curses upon thine enemies and all them that hate thee which persecute thee. In verse 8, and thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments. And he's telling them what's going to happen if they repent and return and come unto him. And then in verse 12, he says, Is it not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is nigh, is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. And I think what Paul is saying is here, it is not Christ in heaven, nor is it Christ in the deep that we need, but it's the Christ and the promise that he has presented to us. Today we live in a world where we have heroes, we have superheroes, we have fictional heroes, we have real life heroes. And we look up to people 
to provide us with leadership. We look up to people to provide us with entertainment. Um, we look up to people for almost anything in life. Back in the Bible time, the nation of Israel needed a leader. And God empowered Samson to be that leader. Now, I don't know if they had comics books, but he would have fit right into a comic book, wouldn't it be? I mean, he was a superhero. He was strong. In fact, he lifted the city gates, carried him on his shoulder, carried him up the hill. Um, he did so many things that were powerful and strong. He was a hero. The children of Israel looked up to Samson. Today, we have fictional characters. We have fictional heroes. We have real-life heroes that we look up to. Will those people make us righteous? Will those people make us safe? The answer is probably no, or the answer is no. But we still look up to people. We still look up to people in, in small scales, large scales, and so forth. There are legends out there, legends of Paul Bunyan. There's legends of, of people in the past that have become enshrined, and you see statues of them, and people look up to them. People even call 911 for help, and they say, I need help. And so certain people run out after and, and try to help them with, for all different kinds of things. But I think that Paul is saying here in verse 6 and 7, he says, your answer is not in superheroes. Your answer is not in a phone call. You say, well, I need somebody. I need, and if you look at Deuteronomy 30, in verse 12, he said, who shall go up for us to heaven? We need a leader. Who's going to be, we're, day after day, we're, we're in our troubles. We're in our um, bondage. We need somebody to rise up and lead us out of this bondage. And they, and they said, who shall go up to heaven and bring it to us? Or who shall go beyond the sea and bring it to us? If we go back to Romans chapter 10, and I read um, verses 6 and 7. But in verse 8, this is where I believe Paul is saying is the answer is. He says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now I'd like to envision, um, so we, whenever there's a hero or like a, uh, like a guy like Samson, um, it doesn't say it for sure because there's, and there's no pictures to go by, but I don't think when Samson went out that there was five people that went in front of him. The people went behind him because he's the strong guy. He's the guy that's going to do things. And when you, have, when you have a guy like Goliath that fought David, it was Goliath, and then behind him was the army. So you didn't have a guy like me that's 5'9 and 180 pounds going out in front of Goliath and say, if you want to get to Goliath, you're going to have to come through me. And everybody's like, oh, that's easy. I'm going to be hiding behind Goliath because he's the big guy. He's going to be my protector. He's going to be my leader. But what he's saying is here is don't go and ask for somebody from heaven. Don't go and ask somebody from the deep. Don't ask God to show me a superhero. He's saying is the answer is the word of your mouth. In verse 8, he says, The word is nigh thee even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So in a sense, everybody that is a is a live human, a professing Christian. When we stand before the enemy, we have God in our hearts, 
And we're not going to have that superhero in front of us. So envision the, the church of God as standing in a line. Not with the hero in front and all of us following him. But we're in a line in the front. I have to face the enemy with the power of God. The person that's behind me, beside me, could be five foot two, 100 pounds. It doesn't matter. Has to face the enemy with the power of God. Then I can have the person over this side that's 250 and six foot eight. And it looks like he goes to the gym every day. He still has to have the power of God facing the enemy. It makes no difference on your size. It makes no difference on your age. You can't call to heaven and say, God, I need you to come down and stand in, in, in front of me and, and make the decisions for me. Because it's our own decisions that we have to make, and it comes from our mouth. Now, where does it come from? Okay, we all went to school and learned the English language. So we can just spit out words. But it says it has to come from the heart. And verse 9 and 10 are very well-known verses. It says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that's part of it. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how can we understand righteousness? I believe that righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of the fa of Father God without the sense of guilt or inferiority. And I believe that can only happen once we have confessed our sins and made that right with God. I do want to give some acknowledgement to, um, there was a website and they have a, some study stuff on there called Two Kinds of Righteousness. And I did get some of my information from them. But understanding that righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of Father God without the sense of guilt or inferiority. So we have the confidence, and it's not our own. It's not our own confidence. That's not our self-made righteousness. It's what comes from God. <clears throat> there is a, there is a, um, a tendency in us as humans that whenever there is a law, we might say, what are the consequences of that law? If the consequences of the law are low enough that I can handle it, I'll disobey the law. But if the consequences are too high, I'm going to obey the law. So we satisfy the demands of the law with works, whether we feel like it or not, because of the consequences of the law. Because if the, if the law says, if you do this, you will get a week in jail. I'm not going to do that. Nobody here wants to spend a week in jail, so we don't do it. We satisfy the demands of the law with our works. Not because we feel like it, but we could, because we don't like the consequences of it. Are we righteous in doing that? But God is saying that all works done apart from the depths of the heart are self-righteousness. It's not true righteousness. In Psalm 16, 116, verse, I think it's verse 11, it says that everyone is a liar. So we all, have, we all have parts of us that are not righteous. You can be a good person. I'm sure you've heard this scenario. 
You have two people. One is an atheist who doesn't believe in the existence of God, but morally he's a right, he's a, he's a good person. If there's somebody that needs help, he's the first one there to kind, with kindness and compassion helps a person. He visits with people. He's a kind individual, but yet he denies the existence of God. Is that person righteous because of his actions? Or you have a Christian, a person that goes to church. He acknowledges God. He's willing to help out wherever, but he has a problem with anger and lying, maybe stealing, maybe even cheating. Is that person righteous? The answer is no. Both of these scenarios, the, the people are not righteous. So what makes, a uh, what makes a person righteous? It's not that superhero that we look up to and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Can somebody help me out? And Jesus says, it's right here. It's right in your mouth. It's right in your heart. You need to understand that. We have some examples in the New Testament of people becoming righteous, you might say, in a moment. Um, one is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a religious person. And because of his short stature, he climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus coming. And Jesus personally looked at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house today. That was interesting. I mean, Jesus walked along the crowd. He probably saw all these people. Why did he point out Zacchaeus specifically? But, G but Zacchaeus got down, went to his house, and had Jesus over. And the rest is, we know the rest of the story. So he responded and just accepted God right where, accepted Jesus right where he was at. And he even repented. And he said, I, will, I stole from people. I will give back more than what I stole. He was a changed man. Another really well-known is Paul. Paul was a man with a lot of zeal. But it was self-made righteousness. And he was going in his zeal and his righteousness. And God struck him and blinded him with a bright light. And he became a changed man. What was different? He saw the light, literally. So Paul made that change. What about us? Are we, are we waiting for God to blind us with the light? Are we waiting for Jesus to come along and say, come out of that tree and come follow me? Well, the truth is, he has in some way, shape, or form called us to righteousness. And the righteousness is more, is, is above what we do with our own works. And I believe it's good and right um, I was raised and I was taught to do things right. If I did something wrong, my parents told me what I was doing wrong. And then when I got older, it was teachers. It was people, if I went somewhere else and I did something wrong, people told me, you don't do that. This is what you do. And people still give advice. So what do I do with that advice? I've learned to listen to advice. So does that make me righteous? In a sense, it makes me right by doing right things, but it's not the holy righteousness. Unless I, unless I ask God to come dwell on me and repent of the things I did wrong, then my righteousness is my own righteousness, which is self-righteousness, and God doesn't look too kindly on that kind of righteousness. In verse 11 of chapter 10, he says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
I want to turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to read uh, verse 16 and 17 real quick. <clears throat> and this is always a, it's kind of a, um, one of those that I've, I've had to ask myself, am I ashamed of the gospel of God? Because in Romans chapter 10, after you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and after you in your heart believe, says the scripture saith, whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In Romans 1, 16 to 17, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, it is written, the just shall live by faith. So how do you know when you have righteousness? When you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation. So as you receive the true righteousness of God, we don't keep that hidden within us. We, and there are many examples we have. If, um, I have a hard time that if somebody takes the name of the Lord, the God in vain, how do I respond to that? But I should. I should say, I mean, I'm not going to chew them out necessarily, but um, what should I say in that case? Should I say, uh, it's probably not the right thing to say or make some comment instead I just brush it off should I am I ashamed of God when I do that am I ashamed of the gospel or should I um, be more vocal in sharing what is truth and also in Romans chapter 6 verses 13 and 14 it says neither yield Ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteous, righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. Now, while Paul says here in, in chapter 10, it says, Do not ask in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven or who shall descend into the deep? The fact is, is that our Savior, Jesus, did ascend into heaven. He did descend into the deep and he took the blood that he shed and sprinkled it on the mercy seat for us. But that's all been done. We don't have to ask him to go do it again. He did that for us. So he, in a sense, is our hero, our leader. We, we don't look to anybody else to provide that for us. It's only uh, Jesus Christ himself that provides our salvation and provides our righteousness. But if you believe on, on Jesus, it says you shall not be ashamed if you believe on him. <clears throat> our standing with God in righteousness is a restored righteousness. And we see that in the two people, Zacchaeus and Paul. They both were righteous people but they needed to be changed from self-righteous to righteousness, to holy righteousness. That's what the righteousness of God was. When we, like I mentioned earlier, when we're all standing in a line, there is no superhero in front of us. We don't have Moses. We don't have Abraham. We don't have Paul standing in front of us. It's us before God. And that might make you a little scared. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? But God will give you that power. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to confess with your mouth 
and to believe in your heart and confess that unto salvation. But it restores a man to right standing before God because God, when he originally created mankind, he created them perfect. And when sin came in, we became unperfect and unrighteous and unholy. And God's plan is to restore everyone. Now we can see around us that people make their choices and they make wrong choices. But let us as individuals make that right choice and stand before God in a holy way. 2 Corinthians 5.21, read that verse, says, um, actually I'm going to turn to that and read the whole verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So as we look for an experience in our life, what, what kind of experience do we have? Because there was times in my life when I knew I had to do the right thing, but it wasn't done from a heart of knowing that I wanted to do it. It was because I knew that if I didn't, that I would get punished or people would look at me like you're not a Christian. But I had to get to the point where I said in my heart, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do this because of my love for God, because it's the right thing. And um, I had to make that decision myself. So you have two, you have, you have the people like the atheists that say, I'm a good moral person. You have the Christian that says, I'm a Christian, but is not good morally all the time. And we don't want to be any of those. We want to be the person that, as a Christian, you say, I'm serving God, and I'm allowing his spirit to come into me to change me, just like Paul, just like Zacchaeus. And that's my challenge to you this morning is live your life righteous, with righteousness, not self-righteousness, not righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees or anybody else, but the righteousness of God. And I want to challenge you with that this morning is to live your life righteously.